This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry. This podcast is protected by Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Lady Amanda of House Ryan, Lady Rajal of House Stevens, Sir Ron of House Golson, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, today we're into John 1 of Clash of Kings. Yes, yeah, back from our uh, holiday break there. It's a new year, 2020, uh, our first podcast of the year. How you doing, Sir Ezra? Dude, I'm, I'm awesome. This is awesome. I mean, it was uh, it was nice to be on break and and have uh, you know be refreshed and uh, relaxed mm-hmm. and everything. But uh, it's good to be in a new year and to let the woes of 2019 just go. You know, let it all go. Let the past die. Okay, just you know, mm-hmm. and move forward. So I'm excited. Um, Got a lot of cool things. Actually, uh, even pre-recording, like I'm, ma- we're making some. I'm making some absolute like gains, getting ready for the year, and just you know, stoked. So uh, major mm-hmm. major changes. I have to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, slam on me. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Hey, yeah, man, it's a new. It not only is it a new year, it is a new decade. Um, Sir Ezra and I have a lot of things cooking. It's just a lot of uh, updates to kind of our shows across the board as well as a new show i know many people have already been checking that out whereas and i cover wheel of time you can check that out it's uh, heroes of the horn but here on bend the knee um we have a couple patreon updates we think is going to make everything a lot better yeah uh, to say to say the least yeah absolutely i i uh, i'm excited about them because it's something we actually kind of discovered uh through doing heroes of the horn and I was mm-hmm. like, man, this just works 10 times better. And it, it actually, mm-hmm. I think, makes more sense and uh, will be better for listeners. So uh, go check out the new reward tiers there and kind of see how we're releasing uh, episodes. Um, you're getting more, essentially. I think that's kind of hard, hard more, to actually. believe. A but lot, A lot more, <laughs> yeah. Hard to believe because sometimes I feel like we do. We did a break, you know, we had at one point we had three extra episodes going up. You know, and then um, we had a little bit of a downtime around the holidays, but then yeah, we were we were it was it was nuts. We had a schedule and everything, and now um, you're, you're getting more than what we gave you before, so it's it's gonna be cool. It's really can I tell them about it? Just tell them what the uh, yeah absolutely the yeah. So you know, on the holidays there over um, let's see during Christmas we did a a nice um, sort of green dream. We took a character at the end of a Dance of Dragons and or whether it be Feast of Crow or whatever, and we moved that character forward and we try to think about what's going to happen we discuss what has happened in the series and then uh based on what has happened and what we know where do we think that character is going to go moving forward we're, we're kind of uh, premonitions if you will about the future and 
that I thought was pretty neat, and it's it's a pretty easy format for Green Dreams. Um, we can kind of look at uh, stuff in season eight, and we've we've been wanting to do more of that. So once a month, we're going to keep doing the Green Dream, uh, and we just moved that up a tier, um, and moved that up to our ten dollar tier. But at our five dollar tier, we're doing what's called the extended edition, and it is a weekly podcast. So which is it just makes sense. We we always mm-hmm. almost always. When we're done recording and the mics are still hot, there's a lot of times where I will sign off and we talk for an extra 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. It just depends. Sometimes an hour. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, what in the world? Why are we stopping? Why weren't we, why aren't we not recording that? Exactly. We're wasting a you know, good conversation. And and, to, and so really, it's like we're extending the discussion in in the chapter. And we kind of caught ourselves doing that a lot. And we, we know that we do it here um, with Game of Thrones, but we really did a lot of that in in uh, Wheel of Time, and it was just mm-hmm. natural. And so we thought, man, we do that anyways. What could we, you know, kind of how, how could that how could we turn that into something extra and, and give that to you guys um, just for supporting us because your support is huge and we really do appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely, you know. But it's like we so if a rabbit hole comes up, oftentimes I remember the first season of this show, a rabbit hole would come up and we'd say, well, we'll get back to that later. And I had a list of rabbit holes that I could, that we just couldn't get back down because we had to just keep making, uh, keep plugging along with the chapter and stuff. So really it's, when I say it's an extended edition, it's sort of like as those things come up, um, we, we table it and then we will follow up with it directly after the show. Um, if it needs a little bit more research and eh, then maybe I, mm-hmm. we, we tape, we can kind of, uh, put that uh, on a list and look at that later but for the most part a lot of times we were, were able to just to dive right back into it uh and go do the research on the fly real informal and just extend the chapter so uh that's a lot that's weekly so you have four of those a month uh right there at the five dollars here so just a quick little adjustment and i thought you guys would like to know that it's the beginning of a new year so time to kind of uh, make the adjustments and and make yourself better so yeah absolutely so all right man well yeah um other than that i think uh that's you know just expect a lot more uh great content from this this year you know there's a lot of signs pointing to winds of winter being somewhat announced in about july um i think that's the gur there's the world con um that gur is going to be attending and he has said he wants to have wins in his hand when he 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 goes to that convention so everyone's kind of saying, I think this is finally about time that he'll kind of announce it. My guess is at Comic-Con, we're going to have um, a trailer or certainly a teaser for the new prequel show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be kind of, you know, with Game of Thrones news, it's going to be just it'll slowly start creeping and creeping and creeping. And then I'd say right around July, it's like things are going to really, really pick up because that prequel show is coming, I think, next year. So it's we're going to be back to kind of where we were. Season eight, and if Winds of Winter drops this year, who man, who knows? Uh, well, how things <laughs> and so and so you're saying, looking. you know, I just looked up. So WorldCon 2020 is July 29th uh, through right. through August 2nd of this year. So you're saying that's maybe when he'll announce it uh, that he's done. That he's I, done. Yeah, yeah. I th- he, he has said kind of in interviews and stuff that he wants to walk up onto that stage. Um, cause he's been, t- he's been talking about this convention for a while over on his, not a blog and in interviews. And he's been saying, you know, it's, it's just my goal. I want to walk up on that stage with the book in my hand, you know, not obviously the finished printed book, but it was certainly like the manuscript. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think he's my, my guess is he's going to walk up on the stage and he's just going to say, I'm done. 
or you know it's finished right or you know what i mean uh, <laughs> like people go nuts oh <laughs> uh, could you I mean, could you imagine I, I would lose my mind i mean i would just well it would also it would also be the perfect time yeah because he, he's gonna run into come kind of a conundrum here because if he doesn't finish it now then who knows where we're gonna be because you've got the prequel that's coming out uh-huh yep Right. And that's, I think, 2021. They haven't said when, but my guess is probably around May 2021, mm-hmm. um, just because that's kind of when Game of Thrones always came out. So that seems to be like the right kind of time slot that HBO would push that. Um, and if you're HBO, I think you're going to be kind of pushing for, you know, we just got Fire and Blood Part One, um, Fire and Blood Part Two. You know, it's going to be coming at at some point. And so if you don't, you're going to have that, that, you know, while he didn't necessarily write Fire and Blood, he certainly assisted on it and all of this stuff. And he will. That's time consuming. It'll be the same thing with Fire and Blood Part Two. And so I think, uh, you know, this is about the time that you're going to want that to finish. Otherwise, you're going to get trapped in the in in the height of the show and you'll never, ever get it done. So, I mean, it's literally kind of I think like now or never. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just did you know a quick little search. You guys can. There's tons of articles now talking about this. We had the, some of the hype going on before, uh, at, right at the end of, of 2019 with the website, and that was sort of threw people off or whatever. But uh, it it does. He did say, uh, according to several sources, I'm just looking at Express uh, in the UK, uh, indicating that Book Six, Winds of Winter, will be released this year. So he is like, st- I guess he has stated that. Um, as as you just said, yeah. and you, you you specifically are pointing to um, it being because I'm imagining if, if he announces it in July, then it wouldn't actually come out this year, would it? I mean, wouldn't it take maybe? Ooh, it could cu- it could come out holiday season. Okay, okay, yeah. So like one of those things where maybe they're holding off in the announcement until he goes to a con. Maybe it's done, you know, by April or something. But a couple months later is when he announces it. So that way that. Because we, we, we've looked at, like, once he announces it's right. finished, he talked about the process. What's well, another six months to kind of mm-hmm. get it to yeah, I would, book Yeah, I would say, I would, I'd say holiday season. I, I'd say I'd say I think it's it would be fair to expect it holiday season. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's, my, that's kind of my expectation at this point, because if you don't, then, you know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yep. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I just I don't know because I think that I do think the prequel show is going to be House of the Dragon is going to be enormous. I think it's going to be super successful. I mean, if you thought Game of Thrones was great um, and you like the political intrigue in that and and all of the warring and everything going on, well, now you're talking the Targaryen civil war. Uh, yeah, it's like. It's like it's like the War of the Five Kings on steroids. I mean, it's like dragons fighting dragons. People are like assassinating each other in the Red Keep. I mean, it's pretty brutal. So hear me. So here, I found the exact quote. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, from his blog, he said this quote: "I tell you this: if I don't have the Winds of Winter in hand when I arrive in New Zealand for Worldcon." Um, you have here my formal written permission to imprison me in the small cabin on White Island, overlooking that uh, yeah lake of, of sulfuric, sulfuric acid until I'm done, uh, just so long as the acrid fumes do not screw up my old uh, DOS word processor, I'll be fine. Um, huh. So is that the New Zealand one? Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, so the dates will be, yeah. July 29th to the 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wants that in hand. 
Well, also, if you released it in late 2020 or early 2021, it would be you know 10 years because Dance of Dragons was released in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, man, that, you know. Think about how much you change, though. I, I, I can only imagine that, I know. that some, some of this has got to or we'll never really know. I wonder if, I wonder if he'll um, if he's talking to somebody or recording something uh, just about how maybe his the, the writing process has changed for him or or right yeah I, I don't know he's reading he, he says this is the toughest one to write too because the characters are in a pretty uh they're all in dire situations and and things are looking bad so mm-hmm. it's tough yes yeah. we're in the winds winds of winter so mm-hmm. huh. yeah so <sighs> crazy just well, just cra- just crazy there it so. is the man said it himself so it's gonna be out this year folks so get ready get hyped <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, do we have a captain's report today, Sir Ezra? Yeah, we do. Um, yes. So we have something here from Lord Robert. Uh, just sort of uh, the holidays we had been kind of uh, had been kind of insane for I think everyone, uh, and that's that's fair mm-hmm. and fine. It was uh, uh, good to see family, good to relax, and and all that good stuff. Um, let's see. He says, let's see. I'll be out of, he's going to be out of the country for the next week or so. So uh, here we are. Captain's report is this. Uh, is Melisandre the daughter of Bloodraven uh, and Shiera Seastar? So, like those two together, did they have a daughter um, or a child, you know, um, and would that be Melisandre? And overwhelmingly, we had, the, the response was no. There are a few individuals who said yes uh, to this. So, that that's, um, yeah, that that's interesting. I, I think a lot of people have tied Shiera Seastar to... Uh, Quaith, um, possibly if she is still alive, with you know, kind of masked, uh, helping Daenerys, and wondering, wondering why she helps her. Um, but would Melisandre then be their child? It's just kind of odd too, because then you know, M- Melisandre sees into her flames, and she sees, um, you know, Bran and the old man, or the 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 man with the wooden face, right? Uh, right. And she thinks it's right. the the other. So. Uh, unless she just has no idea what, yeah, that who who you know who her parents are or or whatever. I I keep wondering actually when I when I read this and, we, and I as we we're prepping for this episode, I kind of thought, is George going to do something like that? I mean, is, does he set up all these things where it's like it there, we could make, but there could be tons of potential possible connections, but then none of them work out. You would have to imagine that that there has to be a few. Um, that are going to yeah. land and connect. Um, and I'm just thinking about ones we don't oh. know about, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Because cause you're planning on doing an episode on uh, Rhaegar again and, and um, you know, the Knights, and, uh, yeah. K- Kingsguard, mm-hmm. right? And so what happened Torm- to... Yeah, Tormund kind of specifically, yeah. Okay, Tormund, yeah. So it's like we have all this hinting that these characters are more than who they appear to be or whatever but you, you just wonder if he's ever even going to answer any of that so i don't know yeah i mean he may not necessarily answer all of it directly but you could certainly leave clues to hint at things indirectly um and i think that would be fine mm-hmm. um yeah you don't necessarily have to come out and say specifically this is you know this is how it goes it's kind of um you know even in season 8 i think you could make Season season eight didn't did season eight really answer the the Valencar prophecy for us? Um, it, it, yeah, I think it kind of in a way answered it, but left it a little ambiguous because 
um, you know, Jamie comes and saves Cersei. They go down to the to the crypts and then it collapses on them. The Valonqar could be Tyrion in that Tyrion. Um, you know, was with Daenerys, and that was ultimately what killed Cersei. Or you could view it as um, uh, Jamie, right? Because Jamie's the one that says, "Hey, no, let's go down here." And by her following that, then it was ultimately kind of in a way Jamie that leads her to her death. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's. I mean, it could you could. I'm not saying that the the books are going to go that way, um, but the Valonqar prophecy, you could certainly make the argument does come true. And so I think in a way you can answer things kind of like that somewhat ambiguously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's probably true. There's there's probably gonna be like a mixed, um, Oh, take every thread that's out there that hasn't, that we we see going in this direction and we don't really, we want to know where it ends. Uh, I I think half of those he may answer and the other half he's going to leave just Mm open-ended for us to kind of use our imagination or to make inferences and uh, and I think I almost think he has to like r- like really, or, or he's not gonna he'll he'll never get this done. I mean, there's just you know right right yeah absolutely yeah. So and it's also a good thing to do. I think uh, we live in a day and age where people kind of want everything uh, an answer to everything. Um, and, and I like having enough there to where you could infer several you know possibilities. And go back and forth with individuals as to what you think is the more likely possibility based mm-hmm. upon, you know, multiple inferences and evidence that the author has left you in the text. I think that's kind of the, a, a cool thing. And it's something that we are losing a little bit. We, we want um, we want answers to absolutely everything. And I, I like a little bit of mystery. And, and so, uh, you know, we'll see. It's just it's just whether he's going to wrap up enough of those threads uh, to satisfy us and then. Just leave a few dangling out there that he can maybe add some commentary on, you know, later on and say because it's kind of cool when an author finishes his series and is able to come back and say, "Yep, you know, you're you're on to something there." Like that's that's where I was heading with that, or that's that's what I was thinking. Um, so right. yeah. Anyways, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, okay. Well, did did we we did we kind of circled around there a little bit but real quick here on is melisandre the daughter of blood raven and share sea star um in kind of going off what you're saying with all these all these threads being tied up in melisandre's thread um i don't know mm-hmm. and you said that the poll said overwhelmingly no yeah a lot of people were saying no yeah um there was a couple of yeses but for the most part it was a, it was a i no. think it's i think it's i think it's more likely that melisandre is shiara sea star mm. okay yeah, and 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 um, I know that'd be kind of weird because she sees the face, but she may not know that that's Blood Raven, mm-hmm. right? And she may not, she may not, she may not see that. Um, also, you know, some people say that Shar Seastar is Quaith. Yeah, there's yep. there's that there's that kind of connection. Yeah, yeah, and and with glamours, you know, people can be wh- whoever and and can can look differently and, and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's that's sort of why we're always questioning who these characters are and are they really who who they've been presented to be um because sometimes you know we've we've seen that they that uh, that they aren't and uh that, mm-hmm. so i mean we have faceless men as i said i think a couple episodes ago it's sort of like what the heck you know i mean like yeah literally somebody's wearing yeah. somebody else's face so so can't, can't, who, who who can we trust i i don't know I mean, exactly stuff yeah Exactly, but it's fascinating, right. and and also I want to uh, put this in here too. I we had some um, mention, just a, some discussion on the Facebook group 
Uh, Fire and Blood, there is still, there is a, in that second half of the first volume, there, there there's a lot there, and uh, we're going to get to a raven later on that kind of um, discusses some of this mystery here in, in the histories and some of our older characters and how it ties into the new batch of, you know, our, our Song of Ice and Fire series, as well as... Um, Look, tie-ins to the show to satisfy us as we go into that and then what do we do now that we're sitting here waiting for winds of winter so it's a great raven that we'll discuss at the end of the show here mm-hmm. yeah all right well let's head on over to the reread last time we were in aria 2 it's where aria and the others had encountered more refugees um, every day as they continued to journey north on the king's road one evening they had halted at an inn where they hear news of the war in the Riverlands. Outside the inn, Arya talks with the prisoner Jack and Hagar. Soon after, six gold cloaks arrive with an arrest warrant for the bull, but Yorin refuses, and after a tense standoff, the gold cloaks retreat. So uh, now we're on to John 1, but the last time we were with John was a John 9 of A Game of Thrones. John deserts in the middle of the night, determined to join his brother Rob in the quest for vengeance. South of Molestown, his friends catch up with him and bring him back. In the morning, Lord Commander Mormont reveals he knows about the night's events and convinces John to stay and join him on a great ranging beyond the wall. Yeah. This time, John 1. Jon Snow finds Samuel Tarly in the dark library cellar of Castle Black, where Sam has found a number of maps for the Great Ranging. Out in the courtyard, they watch the new recruits practicing, and Jon talks with Donald Noy. After they present their maps, Lord Commander Jor Mormont discusses Maester Aemon's past with Jon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, this week we have one of the coolest uh, characters, I think, that is only in the books, and that is Donald Noy. Um, we'll learn a little bit more about him as this chapter goes on, but he is um, he was kind of a Baratheon man, and he's a weapon forger, and he forged King Robert's Warhammer. So he's certainly a pretty cool character, kind of serves um, as we go forward here, especially in this, in, uh, in this book. Um, kind of a voice for voice of reason for John and um, not really a father figure, but kind of some of that like older the advice you would get from like an, you know, like older, older people, kind of a, a yeah. count, village council or something. Yeah. 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 He's uh, definitely an interesting character and it is kind of cool. And, and you have to kind of remember when folks come here to uh, the wall, who were they before? E- even though you're supposed to, it's this new thing. We're all brothers and everything. There's some major treachery that's going to be going on. Uh, in in this book, and here at the Night's Watch, so it's fascinating because we've been taught that wow, no, it's it's none of that stuff matters. You can re, you can mm-hmm. make yourself anew here, uh, and and what have you. There's actually a great conversa- uh, conversation between Jor and John in this in this chapter, um, and and we've we've talked about Aemon Targaryen and and what happened to him, his loyalties, and and what do you do? I mean, right now Rob is marching to war, and and John's just you know. He already ran once, and now he's back, and he's he's dedicated himself to this to this war to come. They're fighting their own war here in the north, and and but it's important, I guess, just to kind of know where loyalties used to lie because yeah, it can be a big deal in this. Yeah. So, all right. Well, as always, I'll read kind of the first little passage here. Sam, John called softly, the air smelled of paper and dust and years. Before him, tall wooden shelves rose up into dimness, crammed with leather-bound books and bins of ancient scrolls. A faint yellow glow 
filtered through the stacks from some hidden lamp. John blew out the uh, the taper he carried, preferring not to risk an open flame amidst so much old dry paper. Instead, he followed the light, wending his way down through the narrow aisles beneath barrel vaulted ceilings. In all, all in black, he was shadowed amongst shadows, dark of hair, long of face, gray of eye. Black moleskin gloves covered his hands, uh, the right because it was burned, the left because a man felt half a fool wearing only one glove. Uh, Samuel Tarley sat hunched over a table in a niche carved into the stone of the wall. The glow came from the lamp hung over his head. He looked up at the sound of John's steps. Have you been here all night? Have I? Sam looked startled. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. so... That's kind of where we're, that's kind of I think a, a a good place right there. Um, yeah, you know Sam, um, you and I were talking about this before the before the sh- before the show. Is that it's really interesting at kind of the beginning of this chapter because Sam is sitting here and he's he's supposed to be looking for maps, um, so they can help them on their on their ranging. But he gets kind of caught up in the books that he's reading and he's reading about all of these. Uh, what he finds to be interesting things and he's telling them all to John and John thinks they're kind of boring and who really cares. And I just think it's interesting not to jump super far away ahead here, but in the show um, it's kind of the reverse. We we see this uh, later, right? Where Gilly is telling uh, Sam about all of these things she's finding in books. And Sam's like, nobody cares about that. Like I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for something else, but I think they find some pretty interesting, interesting stuff here in these books. Yeah, they do. There's, there's. Uh, he says at one point there, are, there are thousands. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's more than what uh, was kept at Winterfell. And also, this is one of the oldest uh, forts, if you will, libraries. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they've had tons of resources um, brought up this way. And, and a lot of times, when the when they would go to recruit in the south, you know, they wanted parchment, they wanted ink, they wanted um, ravens and and what have you. But they even wanted books. They collected books, and then they kept their own books they they, mm-hmm. they have maesters who wrote down what what took place and they had accounts of of rangings and stuff uh which is which is fascinating so you know just a quick tie-in to that uh, christmas episode and I, I we mentioned it there i'll mention it again here uh it's believed that maybe uh a a faceless man um or someone who was interested in a famous book uh, was looking in, in in two of the oldest places that you could find this book like how to kill a dragon if you will um, or just more about dragons, and it was believed it was either up at the wall uh, or that it was in uh, the Citadel Library, just because they are super old and vast, and they have a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, resources. So it's just fascinating mm-hmm. that somebody would... So that was sort of the tie-in there, is that maybe Jack and Hagar uh, was on his way north, and you would say, for what reason? Why is he uh, captured by the Night's Watch? What would he uh, need or or be you know uh, desiring in the at the wall and it may be uh, and it, it's funny too because this chapter takes place right after um just just shortly after the aria situation where we, we we just discussed you know um that he's he's someone he's a person of interest and his means to get to the north are cut off and he has to we, you know we see him appear later on uh several books later in another part of westeros uh, looking for important books and looking lo- mm-hmm. looking around uh, a, a place of knowledge. So, just kind of fascinating to to think about something to to stir the mind up a little bit as to what these what all is here and what what resources can they find. There's hinting that there 
uh, their, their accounts of the Night's Watch fighting dragons. Um, we know later on that dragon glasses, I'm sorry, did I say dragons? Giants. Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's later on, there's an account of like uh, dragon glass and what it was maybe used for. Uh, yeah, just a lot of different stuff. And, and really, right now, Sam is only supposed to be, as you said, Sir Matt, looking for maps because they're trying to uh, get an accurate um, lay of the land, I guess, as they as they take a, a large force north. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of interesting here. So one of the things he he finds here um, he says, you know, this is an account of of a journey from the Shadow Tower all the way to Lorne Point to the, on the frozen shores, written by a ranger named Redwin. It's not dated, but he mentions a Doran Snark as a Doran uh, Stark, excuse me as king of the king in the north so it must be uh from before the conquest Aegon's conquest john they fought giants redwin even traded with the children of the forest it's all here so um i mean that's like that's certainly pretty interesting that they're they're talking about the giants and children of the forest um but you know some people could say well you know that's just in the book in the in the series i'm not saying us but like well, that's mm-hmm. all just fairy tale and stuff like that. But it's really interesting that here's another here's another area where they're they're talking about these these kind of things because um, the more history you have in in Gur doing, I think a really good job of world building here. The more history you have of talking about children of the forest and giants and all of these different locations, well, then it certainly adds more validity to those not just being old like old Nan stories. Right. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, yeah, and and it also kind of if this is a place that we come back to for knowledge, uh, it, mm-hmm. it validates that you know well we're able to kind of um, just cross reference stuff, and then it just sort of takes it from well is is it because one thing Sam wants to do is he wants to organize it because it is a little bit of a mess, mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's a place that we can we can come back to and find some really good information. But it's all about too like yeah how far back is how far how far back do these resources go? And you look at how things have changed and, and stuff, but um, it gives a lot of credence to, as you say, old Nan and those stories and and some of these legends that we've been hearing about for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this vault is a treasure, John. You know, John, if you if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he says he says I do. He says I found drawings of the faces in the trees, a book about the tongues of the tongue of the children of the forest, works that even the citadel doesn't have. Scrolls from Old Valyria, Counts of the Seasons, written by Maesters at a Thousand Years. Uh, these books will still be here when we return, if we return. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and some of these maps he's finding are so old, uh, and that we see this later. Um, they're so old that they don't really help them that all. But it's, uh, I think Sam has a good part um, where he says, "Yeah, but the the geography still the still the same." You know, there might yeah. be, the, the, yeah, so. Right, that that might not have changed too much for sure. It, you know, villages and stuff maybe, um, but, but overall, move, but, yeah, the, the, the right. passageways, the rivers and things, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Sam doesn't want to go. I mean, he, he is hoping he can just get these maps and resources, and I'm so much better here, let me organize this, it's the wealth of knowledge, uh, but they, he's been requesting, and he's supposed to ride north with them, and he's super mm-hmm. worried about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, they talk about they talk about um, Maester Eamon. Right. And they talk about who's who's going to go. He says, you know, the old bear is taking two cages of ravens so they might send word back as they went. Maester Eamon was blind and far too frail to ride with them. So his steward must go in his place. You know, we need you for the raven, Sam. Uh, so mm-hmm. Sam, you know, 
if I were Sam, I would I would be saying, well, I need to hear, be here to take care of Maester Aemon. But yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. we need we need you here so that you, we can communicate back and forth with each other. Yeah, and and he is. Um, I mean, we know. Gosh, I mean, besides Maester Aemon, like he is someone who is probably he's probably the best uh, th- that they have in terms of uh, working maybe with the Ravens and, and penciling down and, and jotting down what um, w- what they need to know. Like, like I guess kind of journaling. Uh, as they go north and then even maybe communicating back uh, with, you know, uh, Castle Black as quickly as possible. So because they're going to gather like literally the best Ravens and and, uh, you know, m- make sure that um, they're well prepared to go north here. And so he's he's the one that they need. I mean, the Maester Aemon's going to be he's he's going to be well taken care of the cold preserves. Right. So he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you have Sam who's scared. You know, we're all scared. Um, and then I, I really like this line here from from John. There's no shame in fear. My father told me what matters is how we face it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and, and that's this is going to be, I guess, as you, if you look at Sam as a character, too. So as his journey starts, um, he's going to face his fears. Right. He's going to face his fears mm-hmm. and he's going to overcome them. He's going to be a different man when he returns. Uh, very different. He's going to ha- have acquired a lot more knowledge uh, about well that will be useful in the, in the wars to come in this great war. Uh, yeah, even though he is still going to be scared in some regards, he's less scared, I guess. But he's always going to have that that nature where uh, blood makes him queasy. He doesn't want to be uh, in in harm's way and stuff. But this is a big um, it's a big thing for Sam. Big thing. He never would have done anything like this in the South, and here he's literally a part of a host. That's going into into the most dangerous territory that that you can go into, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and so then, um, let's see here. So they're getting ready, kind of, uh, kind of to to leave here. Um, I really like the uh this line right here. Is they're kind of, uh, you know, Sam squinted up at the wall. It loomed above them, an icy cliff, seven hundred feet high. Sometimes it seemed to John almost a living thing with moods of its own. The color of the ice um, was wont to change with every shift of the light. Now it was the deep blue of the frozen rivers. Now the dirty white of old snow. And when a cloud passed before the sun, it darkened to the pale gray of pitted stone. The wall stretched east and west as far as the eye could see, so huge that it shrunk the t- uh, the timbered keeps and stone towers of the castle to insignificance. It was the end of the world, and we are going beyond it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the wall is the wall is almost it's just it's it kind of signifies safety right uh, i mean that's that's its en- en- entire purpose and now we're we're going we're going to go on out into the into the wildlands you know that we we keep up until this point if you were just reading this for the first time you would keep hearing about well beyond the wall beyond the wall beyond the wall well now we're going beyond the wall yeah it's one of those things too that george is always when he um what is it hadrian's uh, hadrian's wall right where he was mm-hmm. i mean that was sort of the inspiration for the story right that these men would stand um, at the edge of an empire and look out into the wilderness, into lands that were wild and people who were, air quote, wild, uh, and that you would have to fight against those people and keep them out, and that sometimes you'd have to march into the unknown uh, and, and face your enemy over there. So, yeah, this is he's been building towards this, and here we go. Now we are going, as you said, beyond um, this boundary and, and into mm-hmm. some and, you know- danger. And it's interesting right here after after right after this line of um, 
and we are going beyond it, they begin to then start talking about the comet. Uh, the comet's so bright you can see it by day now, uh, Sam said, shading his eyes with a fistful of books. Never mind about the comets, it's the maps the old bear wants. So I just think, again, here we hear about the comet, it's just kind of put right in here into this point to where we're going beyond the wall. Uh, and I just I just think it's kind of interesting. And then right after that, you shift to this um, this line here about, about where John is, is thinking. As they passed the sept, he heard voices raised in song. Some men want horrors on the eve of battle and some want gods. John wondered who felt better afterward. The sept tempted him no more than the brothel. His own gods kept their temples in the wild places where the weirwood spread their bone white branches. The seven have no power beyond the wall, he thought, but my gods will be waiting. Yep. And so I just think it's really interesting that we have um, this line about the comet here, which, you know, everyone's still trying to figure out what it is and what's what what its uh, significance is sandwiched in, in for the John chapter, certainly sandwiched in between him leaving the safety of the wall, kind of going out on his first ranging. And you could view it almost as becoming um, the man he's supposed to be. And um, this idea about his gods and how they're different than the seven. Uh, and so I just think I just think that's really interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like uh, they, they talk about vows too, and they talk about um, sort of it's the eve of, uh, if you will, like a battle, and some men are seeking mm-hmm. wars, and 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 you know John says that he took a vow, and then right after that, as you say, he sees a sept, and it doesn't tempt him at all uh, because he's not tempted by those gods. That uh, they're not going to mm-hmm. turn him away from the gods who who will protect him as he marches uh, into the wild. Um, mm-hmm. his gods, yeah, are waiting for him. That's super awesome to think about that they, th- their power. That's where they're probably most powerful. I mean, you know, so with the with the uh, in the groves and stuff as as we go north. So that's really cool. I mean, I I think um, it's like uh, it's weird too because it, these gods once had great power in all of Westeros, and you still see the there, there's um, the sacred weirwood groves and. The Isle of Faces and stuff, but they're they're just not as dense. And then now we're going to a place where the old gods really will um, be in power and and will be speaking to whispering. Uh, there'll, there'll be a wind through the leaves uh, that that uh, this might be the speech of old gods to John. He might not know what they're saying, but uh, they'll they'll be speaking to him in some way. So mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be kind of neat. And then uh, from there, yeah, we we move back into he he takes a look at these new recruits. Right, so yeah. um, Alistair Thorne is out. He is no longer uh, the, he's no longer training. Uh, so you get Sir Andrew, right, uh, Tarth, who is there, and and it's a lot more easier going on some of these recruits. They talk about um, this is the first time we get like the wandering crows, and you get a reference to crows who do wander uh, the Seven Kingdoms to get recruits, and so we have one of those um, who uh, has uh, brought. I think a small batch of them here. Let's see. Oh, who were they? It gives a really good description, and they they come up later on. Um, right, and where where did we find them? Um, a lord dungeon, a lord's dungeon near Gulltown. Yep. Yeah. So you've got a, a raggedy man. You've got a soiled one, soiled in satin. Um, you've got um, let's see, so two twins are there as well, uh, which is interesting. So, but yeah, they're they're all there. Uh, later on, too, when we get into some of the fighting, and we have to kind of protect um, uh, Castle Black. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then this is where we uh, this is where we start to meet um, Donald Noy, right? Mm-hmm. Who I who is certainly uh, I think one of the one of the coolest one of the coolest characters. You know what do you what do you make of them? Snow Donald Noy stood in the door of his armory, bare chested under a leather apron. Uh, and so he's bare chested, but you know he's he's certain he's armoring. So it's probably is pretty warm in that in that room. Um, the stump of his left arm uncovered for once, with his big gut and barrel chest, his flat nose and bristly black jaw. Noy did not make a pretty sight, but he was a wel- he was welcome um, one he was a welcome one nonetheless. The armor had proved himself a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then he says, uh, then he starts talking to John a little bit. He says, um, "They say you forged his his warhammer." Uh, talking about Robert, he says, "I I was his man, a Baratheon man, smith and armor at Storm's End until I lost the arm." I'm old enough to remember Lord Stefan before the sea took him, and I knew those three sons of his since they got their names. I'll tell you this. Robert was never the same after he put on the crown. Some men are like swords, made for fighting. Hang them up, and they go to rust. And his brothers, uh, the armor considered a moment. Robert was the true steel. Stannis is pure iron, black and hard and strong, yes, but brittle the way iron gets. He'll break before he bends. And Renly, that one, he's copper. Bright and shiny, pretty to look at, but not worth all that much at the end of the day. Um, you know, and then he's th- and then in his mind, he's thinking, and what metal is Rob? Thinking because he's thinking about Rob. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And you know, this is a character who uh, it's it's important that he, although he wasn't a good sight to look at, he he was a friend, and that's really important for John because at the end of this ranging his first ranging it'll be very important that he has friends uh back at castle black and and donald noy will be one of those people um who still trust john snow he's asking him for his opinion right here on um some of these you know boys or the recruits uh who are here being trained and yeah i don't know if it's again if is it a tie back to baratheon and stark loyalty if we there if it's known that those houses get along and he likes uh, John, or is it just that he he's measuring John based upon what he's seen up here at Castle Black, and he thinks he's a good guy? Uh, is it yeah, a maybe combination? A bit, of both? Maybe a little. I think it's yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So, uh, pretty neat. And he and he's he's an epic dude. I mean, he he ends up being um, very important for for Castle Black and um, the Wall in general. I guess as we get into mm-hmm. the next couple books. So yeah, he's a char- he's a character who. Um, some of some of the big scenes you've seen in the show, if this is maybe your first time reading the book series, um, some of the big scenes at the Battle of of Castle Black. If you think back to that battle, where it's actually Donald Noy who is uh, plays a big role in in some of those scenes. He's not in the show in the, in because he's not introduced, but he actually a lot of those big moments he's there. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the other thing too, I got I got to keep remembering is that. Um, Benjamin Stark has been there for a long time as well and has built up this reputation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're all wanting John to bring his uncle back because he, I, I think they like him and he's a good guy yeah, and he's and important, very smart, um, seemed to know a lot. And I think they, everyone looked up to him and trusted him. You felt safer, uh, knowing that he was there patrolling the wall or outranging and stuff. They, they felt better about that and men would follow him. So, yeah. Um, so now they're kind of looking to John, uh, and it's really a way to kind of accelerate a character's growth in a story, right? It's like instead of him having mm-hmm. to wait behind not just the old bear who is who's been there for a long time, um, it would have been you know his uncle. They would have turned to his uncle, but his uncle's gone. Now he has to go, mm-hmm. you know, find his uncle and rescue him um, if he can. 
so and see what's see what's going on because they're losing Rangers, and uh, they've got the hand still. You know, we're gonna get to that. They've got the, um, you know, the the undead hand and and trying to figure mm-hmm. out what to do with with all that. So, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, okay, so then uh, he's basically gonna he he leaves Donanoi here. He says, "I won't keep you from the old bear." Um, and this is where uh, John is gonna start walking up uh, uh, to talk to him. You know, and then we we hear the bird uh, snow. You know, the bird shrieked. Uh, Mormont broke off his uh, conversation. Took you long enough, you know, with those maps. Uh, he says, "Put them here. I'll have a look at them later." Um, and then he begins to start talking to uh, Mormont. Um, as they are kind of getting ready to start doing their, their plans here a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. There's this sort uh, of the argument happens here. Right? We get into a little bit of a, a back and forth with, with what would mm-hmm. be the first, um, first ranger, but right. Smallwood, uh, the, uh, Thorin, Thorin Smallwood. Um, yeah, you know, he's like, I'm first ranger now with Ben Stark lost and Sir Jeremy killed. Uh, the command should be mine. Um, and then Mormont says, uh, you know, I sent out Ben Shark, uh, Ben, uh, Ben Stark, excuse me, and Sir Waymar before him. I do not mean to send you out after them and sit wondering how long I must wait before I give up on you for lost as well. He said, and Stark remains first ranger until we know for certain that he is dead. Should that day come, it will be me who names his successor, not you. Stop wasting my time. We ride at first light or have you forgotten? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't mess with the old bear. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he's in charge. And, and, and really, he doesn't want to. This pattern is going to continue. Um, if he keeps sending rangers out there, losing some of their best men who would be almost like a commander in in your force if you were attacked mm-hmm. or whatever, and they're they're all back there. These are the men you really kind of lean on and who, who people, um, I guess, w- yeah, they would look to if ever you were you were attacked with, by Mance Raider. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't even though this is a guy who was Alistair Thorne's one of his maybe his boys. Uh, it's he's still a pretty tough dude, and, and he's one of the Rangers. So we don't want to mm-hmm. lose him, and we're going to go out and figure this out on our own. You know, we, we really need to go out together in a force to make sure that everything is um, no, yeah, just to figure out what's going on. Because you know the the idea that Benjamin wouldn't come back or there's no trace of him, they can't that, that we've lost two good Rangers is just super disturbing uh those are the eyes those are the eyes for for the, of, of the crows i mean they they're, mm-hmm. they're the ones who kind of um you know keep everybody informed so mm-hmm. yeah well you know and and this ranging by uh morma is i think he i mean i don't he's it's not like he's like well let's just go out there and see what happens i mean he's it seems like he's ready to go uh, to war because you know here we have sam bringing him the maps right uh, and he's mm-hmm. you know is this all you could find uh the sam starts uh stuttering a little bit he's like these are old um he says you know the villages may have come and go but the hills and rivers will be in the same place as john pointed out um you know truly enough and then he says have you chosen the ravens yet uh he says maester Eamon means to pick them himself he says i'll have his best uh you know then the bird says strongs and so he i mean he wants this is a big deal for him yeah, uh, I think he, I mean this is kind of going to be his his almost legacy moment, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And and before he goes too, he's trying to make sure that he has support from the realm. Um, and right now you've got several people declared uh king, and king. that's sort of a conversation here that takes place. There's a a little bit of um, you know, do we send Sam 
uh, Sam Tarley down to his father and try to maybe get close to Renly and, and see if Renly can give us some support. Uh, and, and they ultimately decide to, to go with the Fossilway, which is uh, pretty cool that, that we've got a right. reference to the old Fossilways there. A green apple Fossilway, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, Sir Arnell. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so that's the thing. We're trying to get support from them. Um, it's interesting that he, he mentions Renly, and then we know what happens with Stannis, you know, later on in the series, uh, mm-hmm. coming to their aid, if you will, um, yeah, via Melisandre. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, but that's that's important. That before he goes on, the, as you said, this great ranging where um, it's going to define him. I mean, this is his like defining moment, really. And he is the old bear. I don't think he. I know he wants to gather intel and he, w- he wants to go north here, but there's two things that have to be on his mind, right? It's you've got Mance Raider and his host, right. um, rumors of him and the wildlings, but then you also have the undead. You 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 know exactly White Walkers in the south, well, rumors and uh, it, right. So. Well, and you could consider giants and just anything. You could kind of just consider that. Um, I mean, really, you it's almost three, right? Because you've got the others and the, the undead, and then you've got just the rest of the north. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you kind of consider all the dangers that just that just lie north beyond the wildlings and uh, the others. I mean, just the cold, the you know, shadow cats and all of that kind of stuff that are out there. Right. Yep, exactly. Um, all right. So so really, after that, they uh, things get kind of settled there and they um, as they they're, they're making their their plans, you sort of get um, an idea of where other people were set up. You learn more about Alistair Thorne. Uh, but really, mm-hmm. the conversation switches and it shifts to Maester Aemon unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, yeah, and ju- right, yeah, exactly, and, and kind of, yeah, and kind of, and just kind of his his history. We learn we learn quite a bit more about Maester uh, Maester Aemon here. Uh, you know, John says, John, uh, do you know that? Do you know that he might have been king? And it's also it's it's because of kind of John's loyalty, right? Because um, you know, the last time John was riding out to Molestown, and so. Mormont again just wants to make sure are you are you going to ride north you know mm-hmm. are you are you here are you here to play are you here to that's here right. to go that's right uh, and so he says you know did you know that he might have been king at some point and so John uh, says he was taken by surprise he he told me his father was king but not you know I thought him perhaps a younger son uh, so he was his father was Darren Targaryen the second of his name who brought Dorne into the realm that's Darren the Darren the the good. Uh, part of the pact that he was wed a Dornish princess. She gave him four sons. Um, Aemon's father, Makar, was the youngest of those, and Aemon was his third son. Uh, mind you, all of this happened long before I was born. Uh, ancient as Smallwood uh, would <laughs> would make me. Maester Aemon was named for the Dragon Knight. Uh, some say Prince Aemon was King Darren's true father. That's um, not Aegon the Unworthy. But that is, uh, but be that as it may, our Aemon lacked the Dragon Knight's, uh, you know, martial nature. Martial nature. Uh, he likes to say he had a slow sword but quick wits. Small wonder his grandfather picked, uh, packed him off to the Citadel. He, he was, he was nine or ten, I believe, and the ninth of tenth in the line of succession as well. And we know um, that line falls all the way to Aegon the Fifth, Egg, um, Aegon the Unlikely, because of that, because he's, he's so far down in the line of succession. Aemon actually would have been ahead of him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that was sort of the thing is is it's unknown, um, and Mister mm-hmm. Aemon kind of confirms this that yeah he was offered 
uh, secretly. It was a quiet offer to him to give up his chain and to become king, which mm-hmm. is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, how, what, what, what are the odds of that? Uh, and, and so that's where you can kind of um, understand. I mean, I think it was the Sept, the High Septum was going to, oh gosh, I mean, it was going to release him. pardon from, him. Yeah, right. fr- from his vows, and really they weren't, Maester's vows maybe aren't as serious as as the, the, the Night's Watch vows are mm-hmm. or what have you or even knights vows so. well and yeah and we've and you know we've talked about that and i don't know that it's ever specifically stated mm-hmm. in in the books um if you go to the citadel to become a maester and then, then you're dispatched from the citadel to go to the night's watch are you really I mean, it, it certainly seems that way that they consider themselves, well, we're men of the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if the realm would be more forgiving, let's say, of of somebody who, you know, unlike Sam, like Sam goes to the Night's Watch and then goes to the Citadel to become a maester as opposed to mm-hmm. being a maester who gets, say, dispatched to the Night's Watch. Yeah. yeah. And so if let's even even if then they said, well, we want to make him king, I feel like the realm would be maybe more forgiving of that or, you know, just maybe not care as much. Yeah. Um, if it were that way, then the other way around where it's like, well, no, he's a man of the Night's Watch. So I, I just it's just kind of interesting to think about, like, that's kind of where he's he's sent to go. Well, yeah. And you wonder, too, I mean, did I don't really I mean, like, do maesters like uh, we, we only just have Mr. Amy to go off of here, but like. When they when they go to Castle Black, do they do they all have to become uh, right members of the Night Men of the Night's Watch? Yeah, right. Night's Watch. Well, I, it's kind of interesting because Stannis goes, mm-hmm. and Stannis just kind of. I mean, but Stannis is like, "Well, I'm king," so I guess it's kind of different. I guess. Yeah, um, and, and he's going there. It to is. It's interesting. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, because it because I like you said, Sam has said the words, but then you know he would, you know, if he were to right. forge a collar. Um, or a chain, I should say, uh, and that that would be he he might have to say say their words mm-hmm. and, and swear some some more. Maybe you could be maybe maybe you could be like because in we see Tyrion go and just kind of hang out and then leave. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so yeah. Well, maybe we, you yeah. maybe you could um, be a maester. Like you go to the Citadel to become a maester, you get sent to the Wall mm-hmm. as kind of your your post. But maybe you wouldn't have to say the words. Maybe you could kind of just be there. So uh, here's basically, all, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, it's a really, it's a really like specific and interesting place because it's just it's like the only scenario in which that really happens. Yeah. So I I think what happened, and I could be wrong, but I just going off of memory here, I I actually think. Maester Eamon um, chooses to become a member of the Night's Watch because right. he was worried that they would use him in a plot to, or you know, right. versus his his younger brother, and he wanted to make sure that there was no way they could do that. If you become a member of the Night's Watch, then you you have no no part in these politics. You're you're uh, above and away, really. I mean, you're mm-hmm. a part of um, mm-hmm. the Wall and, and and the Night's Watch, and so you you don't take part. In the Seven Kingdoms, yeah, he so, yeah. Um, well, uh, hold on, that's the sorry, that's the wrong wiki. That's the um, that's the show wiki, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's similar. Yeah, I I can also say too, I think like, it is. I think I I think no, I think I think you're right. He he, Aemon chose to go to the Wall and join the Night's Watch for fear that he might be used in a plot to usurp his brother. Um, okay, I'm wondering where that's specifically from. Uh, in a Feast for Crows, chapter fifteen. Uh, and the world of ice and fire, Aegon the Fifth, is where we learn about 
the the little bit more of the specifics of him yeah. and his his going to the wall. Right, right. Because the thing was too before he, I mean he. Well, let me think here. And I don't know whether that means because I remember that part. I don't know if it means just that he chose to go be a maester there or if he actually when he got there became a part a member of the Night's Watch. I think there can be two separate things. I think he actually became a member of the Night's Watch and that's Yeah. I think he well he was at the Citadel and cuz remember he's training at the Citadel when like Egg is alive because uh-huh. we I, th- I think Egg Egg talks about it in in one of the um books. I think it's the third one where he specifically says it. Yeah. Um in the third Duncan Egg uh the Mystery Night. But I mean, regardless, um, yeah. So I, my guess is that he's training to become a maester, and then then decides while he's there to go to the wall. And when he goes to the wall, I think he goes. His trip north is with Blood Raven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they have a king's. Yeah, they have an es- and, escort. Yeah, because he goes, and that because that's that's Egg's first act of business, and so. Eamon must not have been in the Night's Watch at the time that the Great Council was held. Right. And and I have something, I think, uh, something great for us to do on our extended edition here. Um, right. Exactly. That's what I'm, that's what I'm starting to think of here. Yeah. yeah. Is to kind of dive into that a little bit more. There's people on the Reddit who have asked sort of the same thing. And I think we can we can look in that uh, a little bit more. The, but yeah, yeah, we'll go, I think yeah the, the whole point is, is that he... There and this is sort of what Eamon had said to him is that he had um, this choice. I bet even as a member of the Night's Watch, as you said, he he could if he really wanted to um, to, to go back and give counsel or or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually later on, I went, we had just done gosh, we had just done the Christmas episode, and Marwin uh, actually says that it's a shame that Maester Eamon was never recalled or that he wasn't called back to sort of be a Archmaester. So maybe mm-hmm. that does mean he he they considered him to still be more a member of their order than um, a part of this order of the Night's Watch. Can, can you still be a member right. of the Night's you know, Watch and yeah. serve in the you know what is yeah. all You know what is, what is also just incredibly interesting here is, yeah. um, you, you know, we, we often talk a lot about um, the people we see that are essentially influencers, influencers, right? Of our our main characters. With Arya, you have Syria Pharrell and Jack and Agar and the Hound, um, and, th- and those those are the people that help shape her personality into who we see her become towards you know towards as we get towards the end of the series. Um, Sansa has uh, Cersei and uh, Peter Baelish, uh, you know that kind of guide her to become the person she becomes. Well, isn't it kind of interesting here that you have Maester Aemon, who had the chance to be king and chose essentially duty over over the ability to become king. Mm-hmm. And then also Mance Raider is such an important character. And certainly, you know, if Mance Raider is, you know, all the, the big theory up there about possibly him being Rhaegar or whatever, I mean, that is in its own right. But just simply you have Mance Raider, who is someone who is king beyond the wall, and he wants to he is king for really the right reasons, right? He unites people because he wants to get them south to save you know to save his people. And then he's also really kind of influenced by Stannis Baratheon, someone who is trying to become king through force. 
So it's just it's just really interesting that you have these three kings being the people who are influencing John, who, mm. you know, uh, certainly I, I think, again, um, sh- certainly in the show and again, most most likely to become the king in in this are the people that in, are influencing John. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that that is interesting. And uh, there's tons of foreshadowing uh, in in all those exactly. individuals of <laughs> being the Exa- ones. Who, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I just I just think it's 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 kind of most interesting with John is that it's not just people who have the ability to become king, but it's people who have the ability to become king in very different reasons that are influ- that are that are the ones that are influencing John. You have just in 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 Amon who had it but said no, I don't want it. Um, Mance Raider, who really could, I think he'd really care less about being king beyond the wall. He just, he just wants to help his people. He doesn't, I don't think he really cares about the, the title king. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have Stannis who's saying it's mine by right. You know, it's, right. I, this is, you know, and in, in his, in his eyes, he, he doesn't want to just become king because he, he feels it's his. He also wants to, you know, kind of put Joffrey down because, you know, Joffrey is not the right king. So I just think, I just think it's interesting. I just, yeah. Kind of an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those who the kind of, um, yeah, who 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 are the people around you? Who, who are your cast of individuals who are shaping you and and influencing you and pulling you one way or the other? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's just dive back into more of uh, Maester Eamon and and his his story here, really, which is just that he he was passed over. Uh, he chose not to become king, right? And Egg, this is why Egg the un, unlikely sort of becomes mm-hmm. uh, a king, and and he marches north with. Um, Blood Raven and and right, yeah right yeah Dunk I think actually is part of their escort too, uh, so at one point I don't know I anyway said we can mm. look into that more. He Dunk was a part of the escort, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so anyways, okay. Uh, where were we at here? So after that, so he's just, he's just, he just he's just running down um, kind of his family history to talk about all of the people that died. Um, you know, they talk about Darren, they talk about Arian Brightflame uh, a little bit and how he dies, you know, his little brother, you know, one of the more gruesome tales. He's the he's the one who tries to um, drink a jar of wildfire, thinking it would turn him into a dragon. Um, and, you know, certainly the, uh, there's a lot more on him if you read The Hedge Knight. Um, you know, says so King Maker died in a battle against an outlaw lord a year after. And so just kind of talking about how the lords passed over all of these people and um, eventually uh, kind of kind of come to him. And then it ends up going to to egg. And then they just talk a little about how the, the Targaryen line is, is put put to end. Uh, he says when Jamie Lannister put an end to the line of the dragon kings. And this is a chapter uh, because the 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 raven keeps croaking king and king and king a lot of people point to this to this chapter to talk about the uh the foreshadowing of the of the raven with john mm-hmm. yeah 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 and that's that, we'll actually circle back to that as as yeah we... i mean yes i mean certainly he, here i think he means for you to have a crown my lord you know because the bird keeps saying king mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's and we're talking about um, how he and Eamon, uh both had a brother who was king, you know, and it's sort of the opposite. You know, Eamon was should, it was offered to him, but he didn't accept it. But this is something that wasn't offered to John, but he may, according to the show, uh, 
it may be offered to him later. Uh, it may may right. come, come. So it's kind of a flip, I guess, in in that regard. Um, and then it ends up, and then it ends up going to their younger brother, who is. Uh, it's while well, it's incredibly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Egg, egg, and then uh, and then in the show, uh, possibly Bran. Yeah, you know, Bran, Bran may may not be his real brother, but you know. Sure, but yeah, it's still kind of that parallel a little bit, yeah. yeah. Right. So now this is interesting. Last little conversation here is Mormont um, talking to him about all of this. He really just sort of rubs it. In, I mean, not rubs it in, but he's. I think he's really testing John here and kind of saying they they talk about vows for a minute, and he says, you know, if I had a man for every vow that that was taken, the the Night's Watch would be completely garrisoned, and you know, um, but all these vows have been broken and what have you, and he kind of dismisses the idea of a vow meaning anything really um mm-hmm. although he says he doesn't when he says that uh john keeps saying we don't just have a and maester Eamon and i don't just have a brother you know uh who was king in common we also have a vow in common which i think mm-hmm. makes so maester Eamon did take you know the night's watch vow um yeah 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 uh let's see i think he even says well we'll go back to that. that's something i was gonna follow up later because i think he says that earlier um when he's talking to him. So, yeah, they, they, he talks about how they're going to garb his brother and all these different, you know, um, types of fabrics, and, and they're going to call him your grace, and he's going to marry and have children and, and everything, and and, um, and he basically tries to, to get John to say that, it, you know, tell me, John, that's going that's going to trouble you, and if you, if you don't say it's going to trouble you, then I'll name you a liar, um, mm-hmm. you know, and he wants to sort of know the truth of it. And John says, you know, if, if it did trouble me, what might I do? Bastard as I am, what will you do? Mormon asked bastard as you are. John says, be troubled and keep my vows. So, I mean, <laughs> for now, <laughs> yeah. although was he, here's the, here's my thing. Some, I'm a big defender of John, you know, cause we, we were talking, I did the whole in defense of Jon Snow in, in regards to the pink letter and everything and, and whatnot. But, you know, talk about him being breaking his vow. Did he? I mean, did he really break his vows or was he always just defending, you know, the 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 realms, right? I mean, the realms of men. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, using a flaming sword. Maybe. Maybe he was. So, I don't know. Just saying that later on... Um, I think when people say he breaks his vow, and I'm not, I'm not so sure. Okay, yeah, I think he did. I'm not either. For right reasons. I'm not either. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of a joke. Okay. Hopefully somebody somebody found the joke that was in there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Um, that was basically the chapter, and and uh, it's got. There's actually um, those recruits. Something maybe we'll do. We, we can extend a little bit more too. Is is talk about those recruits and and their significance later on. There's a small small band of them who come who come in here and. Um, we get some of their names, some of them we don't, but they'll, they'll kind of hang around for a little bit and be, be important. So, uh, all right, let's see here with that. Uh, let's move over to send a Raven, send a Raven. Yeah. So we have Elodie here, um, who sent us a, this was actually on Facebook in our group. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to join there, please go like, and join in the conversation. Uh, but she had recently just finished her reread. And uh, she started with book three a couple months ago and, uh, you know, just tore through the series. Um, Let's see. She says, now what do I do with myself? Sure, I know that uh, the last book, um, that that the last book we have, she's read that book, right? But but it doesn't change the fact that I'm now frustrated. 
so this is this is sort of what we're dealing with, right? As you get to the end of a series, um, and we're waiting on the next book. So you get kind of caught up. You've seen the show, and you're mm-hmm. you're reading the book, and you're wondering, what do we do? Um, I've read the book a few times. Uh, I've read the books a few times each, but this is the first time in a while I did a full reread in correct order. So I might. So it might be why it's hitting me more than usual. Anyway, uh, I am still really enjoying myself, refreshing my memory on uh, what's book canon and what is not. Uh, We still have so much to look forward to. I forgot how far behind compared to the show we were, and I cannot wait to see how it goes. And that's a really good point. I mean, we... It is. It's a really good point. That's why I think it could be vastly different to say we're going to get... To to say we're going to cover all of that in two books is exciting and i think it's probably going to be very fast paced then and things are going to move quick um she goes on to say i've read fire and blood recently too uh so i'm up to date with all things westerosi so i think i'll just listen to the adventures of uh you know duncan egg and i think that's great that's very smart we've we've said uh in the past that that's one of our favorites absolutely that's i think that's the best place to go yeah yeah so she's read them but uh just got the audio book and she's excited to listen to that and i think it does uh, the audiobook is is fantastic. Um, so, side note, uh, Dance was published in 2011. Um, I didn't think it was so long ago. How does time fly? Anyways, I guess I don't have much to say. Just uh, hoping that 2020 is indeed uh, the year of Winds of Winter. The plot points are um, the most excited uh, that she's mo- she's most excited to be resolved or explained. What are I guess your right? Um, most excited plot points. What do you want to see? Like resolved. Sorry, that's that's just trying to read that there. Um, as a Sansa fan, I am really eager to see where her story will go next. As her, um, as was kind of what we saw in the show. I guess you kind of want to maybe compare the two. Uh, arc was given to a completely different character. That's a good point. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so it leaves her totally disconnected so far from where she in, ended up in the show. Uh, that's true. So in the book, I mean, her her path right now is still a distant pretty different. One. Yeah, it's distant pretty from, different from Winterfell. Yeah, and although she's a Stark, uh, yeah, yeah. It does she is that still going to land and and end the same way because she's been so distant or it looks like the book the books yeah. are going to keep her away from winterfell is is the way it looks like mm-hmm. up until maybe yeah, the I very mean, end yeah exactly because her that stuff going on with ramsey is with a it's with a different woman than, than sansa mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's it's pretty different yeah um she goes on to say here so i'm wondering if any of you have any theories about that um let's see i know sansa um elaine is not the most popular topic of prediction when it comes to wins, it's difficult to complete when other characters are um, uh, prophesied as maybe heroes, have magic dragons or assassins in training uh, and the like. But I can't help to wonder about her while wishing I could uh, take her away from Lord Creepyfingers. <laughs> uh, also, I forgot how Ramsey was so uh, uh, reading about the <laughs> whores uh, he does. That he, that he commits in the story was very uncomfortable. Poor uh, Jane and everyone who comes across him, Erg. Uh, let's see. Love to read about Dorne. Uh, less so about the Iron Islands, though. 
That's all for now. I hope to hear from some of you in the comments, uh, gentle ladies and sirs. And so I liked this because this is someone who who had just recently kind of finished up the her reread and having started started from beginning, just marching all the way through. And I agree with her a lot. I, I do like hearing about Dorne, and I'm excited about what's going to happen in Winds of Winter, you know, around our Ariana and just sort of that whole, are there secrets in Dorne? Uh, the Iron Islands, I don't really care too much about. I mean, it's interesting when you look at the North and Dance of Dragons and sort of what the uh, Ironborn are do, uh, or what they're doing, you know, um, mm-hmm. are, are they working with um, the Iron Bank and, and what's what's happening there? So that's cool, and you do kind of wonder. I am now thinking more about where characters are in relationship to where they are now in the book, and where they're where they are in the show, and how different those locations may be, and how how does that going to affect our character getting to the same endpoint, and will they get to the same endpoint, or is that another well, character who might get yeah. there? Well, the Iron Islands in the show, man. I mean, they oof, they're pretty far off from where what we see in the in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're trying to. Euron's trying to trying to marry Daenerys. We don't really. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah in the. Well, and so know, in in the in the show, he ends up getting he ends up getting with Cersei. Yeah, and that's where I wonder. Like that still could go the same way, I guess. Maybe it's like he's seeking a marriage, and what they skipped in the show is that he he sought a marriage with Daenerys. It didn't work out because he sent his brother, and he's trying to you know, sound dragon binder and, and bind the dragons, but then also claim um, Daenerys as his own wife. And so that may be a failed attempt for Euron. And so maybe then he turns to Cersei because of her circumstances. So maybe it still does go that same way, but we just skipped a big step, if that makes sense. I I think you could maybe make that conclusion. So, um, and those are the things we want to do in Green Dreams, really. Uh, the same stuff here mm-hmm. that Elodie is kind of talking about. Like we would love to, to sort of think about where these characters are going to go and, um, you know, the, the treachery that could take place and, and stuff. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think Victorian out there, Greyjoy, hopefully he, he's going to, I think he's going to die. And I don't, I don't think he would want to go back and blowing, face his, face his brother. Binder. Yeah. Well, whether he blows it or not, I mean, I, th- I still think he's going to die because whether he dies there um, in pursuit of Danny or he dies back with his brother and it's it's sort of known that he betrayed him, I think he'll kill him. So, yeah, you know, there's that. I mean, look what he did to Aaron Greyjoy and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. so he's got the priest tied to the front of his ship and stuff. It's just, that guy's a madman, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's this is what, we, as an are going to be talking a little bit about there on some of those green, on green Dreams and stuff, is a lot of these big differences. How are we going to get these characters to where they're at in the, in the books? Um, you know, I've brought it up a couple times, John Connington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Jorah Mormont kind of filling the same role in in the show, one in the show and one in the books. And so, what does that say? What does that mean that Jorah Mormont's going to be doing if he's not the one going to the Citadel and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, certainly uh, some more things that we'll be yeah we'll be discussing. Yeah, yeah. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now. I, I know as soon as we we uh, flip off here, what we'll do in the extended edition because I I just thought it's already in my mind. I think we'll I actually kind of want to talk about. Um, First, we'll go back and hit some of the Maester Aemon stuff, and I've got this Reddit post about uh, the Citadel, which we can kind of talk about and what's what's going on there. And then also um, Sansa and what's happening with uh, Robert Aaron um, or Robin. So and yeah, and, and look at like you know his um, what is he he's trying to get like a 
I mean, she she's possibly going to be married, so she's going to mm-hmm. be married off here. So does that? How's that gonna? How's that gonna work? They're looking to make that alliance. Uh, Littlefinger is anyway, so we can talk about that just a little bit because she is way off from from Winterfell, and uh, I don't see her going to in this next book going to aid anybody. I don't know. I, I that that would be. So yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll turn it off here and we'll we'll figure out uh, how to extend it later on here. But uh, anything yeah, else, absolutely. Sir Matt? Uh, no, I think that's kind of it for this week. Um, just want to uh, remind people to go check out some of our stuff over there on Patreon. Uh, just uh, just kinda came across it here in the notes. Uh, we just finished actually that tur- that big four part mega tourney at Harrenhal series. Um, and, uh, I think it was, a it's a really, really solid, uh, series over there on, um, Patreon, mm-hmm. um, talking about a lot of the, the, the ways in which, uh, some of those things could, some of the events of that, of Tourney Harrenhal could happen, um, but maybe just providing some more context to it in, in a way that I think makes a little more sense via what we kind of know in the books. Um, and I think actually I'd like to do maybe some more of those where we look at some of these things that have happened. And try to try to just provide some more context to it in a way that makes like a little more a little more sense, because uh, oftentimes when we're talking about these theories, we're talking about these things that are always. I don't want to say they're not grounded, but I think they're. They always seem just a, not a little far off. Right. Where that's what I really like about this Heron Hall thing, where they take something that we already know and they say, well, like, OK, I think this is a pretty obvious way of in which it would happen. Um, but it just goes about it in a slightly different manner so mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, OK, I could I could kind of see that. Um, I don't really want to spoil a- any of it because I think it's it's really good. But, um, yeah, yeah, uh, maybe they, they, in, in our Heron Hall series, we talk a little bit about maybe the real reason that Rhaegar and Lyanna fell in love. Yeah, maybe it's just maybe it wasn't all love at first sight, but but love through some um, unforeseen circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And one more thing before we sign off here. I, I would love to challenge folks to um, send us a character, just a single character um, who is still alive in the series. And it doesn't have to be a main character or a major character. And let us know maybe what you think is going to happen to that character. And and then we'll also count, get, give sort of our, our ideas on where we think that character is going to go moving forward. I, just for fun. I think it'd be kind of fun mm-hmm. and a little bit of a challenge to the realm. To, as we start this new year to, to send us a few of those so we can have um, some of that you know in the first couple months here just to, to extend absolutely so alright well uh, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 7 Catelyn 1 of A Clash of Kings if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com We will see you in a week, and remember that the night is dark and full of terrors.